You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from my friends. Hello, hello, and welcome to Bad Words, an evangelical podcast where we give toxic theology the read that it deserves by taking another look at some of the books that haven't given major influence in evangelical Christianity. This season, we are reading Wild at Heart by John Eldridge and Captivating by John and Stacey Eldridge, losing the plot on manhood and womanhood one chapter at a time. I am your host, Janice Legata, and I'll be ripping up this week's chapter with a good member of the Bad Book Club. Co-host, introduce yourself, please. I'm Bella. I'm back. Caused a lot of problems last time with copyright strikes and John Revere not quite liking how I said reading his book is worse than burning in hell. (sighs) Really offended him. Anyways, (laughs) I'm a college graduate and ex-evangelical. Just kind of got into it within the past few years. Being on the internet a lot in 2020 really helped me find it. Excellent. So we'll get started with the reading of the opening paragraph. We'll have a discussion and then hear the closing paragraph and send you on your way. For additional context and conversation and the option to listen to these episodes with no ads, I invite you to join the people of Jod by becoming a Jodly or Jod-willing patron on Patreon. But either way, I'm happy you're here and I hope you're ready because without further ado, let's get into... Wild at Heart, Chapter 1. At last, I am surrounded by wilderness. The wind in the top of the pines behind me sounds like the ocean. Waves are rushing in from the great blue above, cresting upon the ridge of the mountain I have climbed, somewhere in the Sawatch Range of central Colorado. Spreading out below me the landscape is a sea of sagebrush for mile after lonesome mile. Zane Gray immortalized it as the purple sage, but most of the year it's more of a silver gray. This is the kind of country you could ride across for days on horseback without seeing another living soul. Today, I am on foot. Though the sun is shining this afternoon, it will not warm above 30 here, near the Continental Divide, and the sweat I worked upscaling this face is now making me shiver. It is late October and winter is coming on. In the distance, nearly a hundred miles south by southwest, the San Juan Mountains are already covered in snow. Alright, let's go on and dive right in. So, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. What is your history with this book? When did you first hear of it? Become aware of it. When you emailed me? Again, I really, yeah, I how are you so lucky? I don't know, I really don't know. I think like the Christian bookstores I would frequent were the ones run by the church, so all the books were books that like the pastors had shadow written, so mm-hmm. I, I wasn't quite graced with all of the Johns of the Christian world, I guess. But that's, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So then you've never read it before. You did you did some pre-reading before I even sent you the things like you, you did Oh yeah. I saw the titles and mm-hmm. I had to know. Yeah. So before before you even went to go investigate this, kinda of what were you expecting and then what did you find? I wasn't really sure what I was expecting. The title Wild at Heart definitely threw me off. When I saw Captivating, that really kind of screamed like, Oh, this is gonna be like that book Redeeming Love very obviously towards women, and I, I wasn't really sure with Wild at Heart. So as I started reading it, or not even reading it, like reading the intro and what I could see on Google Books and everything, all I could think of was this man's really compensating for something with like, oh, I like to be out in the wild. I like to go hunting. I like to do dangerous things because I'm a man. That was the first thing I noticed. And then the second thing I noticed is this is a book for men, but he really spends a lot of time talking to women. And telling them what they should do. And also, the book Captivating is supposedly written by his wife, but a lot of the quotes are from him. Accurate, accurate yeah. assessments. And it's funny, when I 
you know, I started researching this. Andrew Tate had just been banned from the internet. It seems like he just popped right back up in a different form. Mm. Everything had just come out about how he was banned from TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and Uber and Airbnb and, like, nobody wanted anything to do with him. And now we have another too powerful man telling women what to do and telling them to just basically, like, roll over and let men do whatever they want because you can't emasculate them by telling them no. I don't know. Right. Yeah. 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 So this is, I mean, because this book has been out for way too long oh yeah you can so tell is... you can tell it's been out because like in the preface he talks about like when it first released and so this is i think this is another like bait of satan thing where he's like re-releasing it and hyping mm-hmm. it up to be something that it's really not but more like i i notice he kind of uses language that people who are still in the church and in christianity look for and are kind of programmed to pick up to see something as good and something that they should listen to yeah. yeah. So, and, and it's like, why would you, if you're taking another look at this book, at what point, Christian author, do you just decide, you know what, maybe that moment passed, and maybe it was fine for back then, but maybe we don't need this anymore. Mm-mm. No, he's convinced that we still need it, because he actually, I think this was an after-the-fact decision, he wrote a field manual to go along with oh, this yeah. as a workbook. There's always, always a workbook. Like, and it's, and it's definitely like, it's always had curriculum, but I think it was called something else before. So the field manual is a new, updated, current, Mm -hmm. whatever. Oh, and yeah, yeah, not, not needed. We all need the confidence of these mediocre men. We do not need their books. Oh yeah. No, of course. Of course. And it's just funny knowing he's actually written and published this twice because you would think that, you know, it would be well written. It's not because when I transferred this into a Google Docs document so I could put in my notes, Grammarly found 54 errors right away <laughs> in one chapter. What what kind of errors? There were some grammar errors and then there was a lot of redundancy. Hold on, let me pull it up because I have to filter through my errors too because, you know, I just, I didn't try redundancy, you need punctuation, sentence agreements, redundancy, correct your spelling, remove the preposition. So even Grammarly is like, this is redundant. Oh yeah. You already said this. We don't need this. Mm-hmm. Well, my apologies to Grammarly as well. I'm sorry, it has to read this too. No one. Because it yeah, obviously no didn't. Have, no one should have to read this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... Yeah. All right. So <laughs> you lived your life peacefully thus far without even knowing these books existed. Then, as I do, I come in and say, here's here's a headache you need. Here you go. <laughs> so, yeah. What, what chapter did you have? And what what was it about? I had chapter one starting off really strong let me see i it this chapter i believe this chapter was just titled wild at heart and it very much seemed solely dedicated dedicated to painting men as animalistic 
in, I don't know, that was just a really weird thing to see because then, you know, he's basically saying, you know, men are animalistic and they're monsters and uncontrollable and feral. And that's interesting because, you know, you be on the internet long enough, you see a woman say something like this about a man who has assaulted her and suddenly that's not okay and that's bullying. Right. So it's okay when men say it, I guess. I don't know what else. I don't know what else to tell you. But it it was very much just men are animalistic and look at all these manly things I do because I'm a man. <laughs> and then, you know, he just like very passively talks about colonialism and, you know, land being stolen, all of that, just as, as if it was a good thing. And then he compared himself to Marco Polo and Hannibal and Scott and Amundsen and all of these great explorers. And he feels that he can be compared to them because he goes outside. <laughs> he said, I, like them, I have been outdoors. Outside. <laughs> right. But not like a woman. Oh, no. No, women go outside. Don't. That's different. <laughs> Actually, when so, we yeah. finish recording this, I'm going to go for a hike because it is beautiful outside today. I'll text you after and let you know if I feel like any different anything like what john that's describes a, here that's extremely manly behavior <laughs> oh i know right it's, you are you are part of the confusion oh listen my man's at he... work he's not here to tame me <laughs> <laughs> is he is he at work he's at work at an office yeah yeah he works indoors yeah <laughs> oh, he works oh, at no. an office indoors and you're like you're good with that oh uh, yeah i mean he comes home safe that's all i really care about what no no because he specifically said where is it when he asks would you rather oh i highlighted that because i was <laughs> crying laughing where is it where is it I underlined it, but maybe I was just so enraged. Here you go. Which would you rather be said of you? Harry? Sure, I know him. He's a real sweet guy. Or, yes, I know about Harry. He's a dangerous man. In a really good way. <laughs> so, when I hear a woman describe a man as dangerous, I immediately know, huh, I should avoid him. That's just like natural <laughs> instinct to want to avoid him, but we, we could take it a little farther into, you know, my own relationship. I would prefer that he doesn't do dangerous things. <laughs> That's yeah. preference, I guess. I both like having him come home every night to play video games with me, and also, you know, when we were out, not put me into sketchy situations <laughs> that would potentially harm me. <laughs> I, can't, I guess the can't the you can't say the same thing about John and his relationship, his poor wife. Honestly, no, she gets no sympathy for me because she jumped in and joined in on this, whatever. Mm -hmm. But so your boyfriend, man, allegedly works indoors, also plays video games. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know what John Eldridge would say about him. No, I do know what John Eldridge would say about him. Oh, I know exactly what John him. would say about him. And listen, you gotta understand, we live in Texas, 
it has been over 100 degrees for, I think it's like where the count is 65 days so far this year. It has been over 100 degrees. It is inhumane to go outside right now. Yeah. Which is... But a real man would do it. Oh. That's all I'm going to say. That's all. So chapter one, you basically get, I mean, you get the full premise. Like he lays out the whole, what this book is about, why he wrote it, what it's about, and like his three major things that that all men want and what what makes a man so what are first of all what what are the three things that men want and what do you think of that where where did i put it i highlighted that premise. okay oh wait that's not it that's just when he's talking shit about smartphones <laughs> okay Three desires. They want a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to love. Right away, this gives... And this isn't necessarily derogatory. It, you know, that, that dream that, like, every little boy has of, you know, being as, like, a soldier. Or, like, a hero or something. It's like he hasn't necessarily let go of that. He just kind of transformed it into something really, really weird. I don't know how else to describe it, but, you know, when he says a battle to fight right away, we're starting to see his weird affinity towards violence and the justification of men being violent because they're supposed to be violent and that's okay and you can't stop them from doing that because that is emasculating them. Like I said, I have lots, I've highlighted so many things where he's just excusing and encouraging violence from men and it's really concerning Especially that, you know, he has enough power and stage to write a book that made it onto the New York Times bestsellers list. It also makes me want to reevaluate. I, I want to go look at the criteria for getting onto the bestsellers list because that bar seems like it's slow right now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, battle to fight. He just really likes violence, I guess. An adventure to live, which, you know, he really overstates how much adventure he has when he goes up through the mountains just to, like, follow this elk for no reason. Or kind of forces his sons to go whitewater rafting in conditions that they know are dangerous. Which, again, that, that's, that's a little concerning, especially that he's, like, dragging his kids into it. I don't know. And then, you know, beauty to love. That's just a really weird way to say you want a relationship. It's, like, it's objectifying right away. And, you know, he carries that through both his idea of how men see women and his idea of how women are and see men. And I can, as a woman myself, I can tell you he's wrong. He's very, very wrong. <laughs> to which he would say, mm, I mean, well, you've been tricked. We'll get into it later. He, he says that women don't want to be seen as hardworking or tireless workers. They want to be seen as captivating. No, I want to. I want to be seen as hardworking. Honestly, that's that's a greater compliment than my my looks and my seduction skills. I guess. Right, or that like all these things. You can only be one thing. Mm -hmm. Even going back to to poor Harry, right? Like, <laughs> you want him sweet, or do you want him dangerous? Because I just want him sweet. Because you haven't. You haven't tapped into what it really means for men to be men and for you to be a woman. Oh, apparently so. not. <laughs> so there's, there's that. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm not out here to defend my boyfriend's masculinity at all. But you know, 
I can say just from the stories he's told me. He has done things that would make dear John shit himself. So. <laughs> you know. All that military stuff. I don't think John could, would be able to handle it. Just because he doesn't have a grip on reality. <laughs> I don't feel like he has a grip on reality at all. Gosh. So that's his, that's his premise. And this is, this is a Christian book. This was marketed to Christian men. So... Yeah, what do you think of his use of the Bible and Bible verses? Um, it was only on, we weren't even through the introduction when I found a Bible verse that was very out of context. You know, when I see a Bible verse, I want to go see what was written before it, what was written after it, and kind of the overall context of it. So, you know, he said when he's telling women how they need to understand, how they need to understand their men and help them live the life they want, he quotes Matthew seven sixteen, which is you will know them by their fruits. So I went and looked it up. The full verse with it with fifteen right before it is watch out for false prophets. <laughs> they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ferocious wolves. And I can John does see himself as a ferocious wolf, so we're pretty spot on so far. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So that, that's just interesting context. <laughs> really just took half a sentence and ran with it. I've been kind of expecting people not to fact check it. So it didn't take long to get a very out of context Bible verse. Cut to the chase test. Yeah, he really cut to the chase with that verse and just ignored a lot of what it was actually saying. And then, you know, in the next paragraph he goes into how Catholics are wrong, which it's just funny every time that argument comes up because it's so overused in evangelical spaces now, but they, they, people will put it out like that's a burn. Yeah. <laughs> Reach the halls of Congress, which that's, con that's concerning. Again, I don't like religion and politics. Uh, and, you know, I live in Texas where politics are only religion. Yeah. And religion is only politics. And it's very uncomfortable, to say the least. Because right on that, yeah, because he gives the gives that gives that verse, and then yeah, I am humbled to say the fruit of this little book has been, but what? But then like he mentioned, like it's all these extreme situations. It healed the lives of prisoners in Colombia, Catholic priests in Slovakia, the halls of Congress, the back rooms of homeless shelters, restored the families of men in Australia, around the world. It works. And I'm like, this is, why such extreme examples and why are they everywhere else? And like in these places that sound like exotic and, and like far flung. Because it's manly. <laughs> <laughs> to be reaching prisoners in Colombia? <laughs> and like, for what, how does, how does Wild at Heart help a prisoner I think this is kind of like the last thing they need. I don't I don't know the details about how the prison system in Colombia works, but it doesn't sound incredible. I don't know. Yeah. But then he immediately launches into, you needn't take my word for it, come and see for yourself. And in this book, Seeing for Ourselves is actually taking his word for it, because there are Making no sources. We just gotta believe him. And you will want to know that I also wrote a field manual to go along with it. Do I want to know that? Listen, I'm curious, but I'm not going to go spend money on it. Unless I can pirate it from the internet, I'm not really going to bother. Don't do it. 
Don't you dare. Oh, let's go to Barnes and Noble um, and flip through it. Unless, like, he has a shrink wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done that yesterday. <laughs> I would hope. I would hope in 2022, like, the field manual is not readily available, like, at, at most bookstores. Because it can't be that popular. Like... I'm gonna look this up, actually. Got to, <laughs> they've got to preserve, like, their shelf space. And surely this is not making the cut. Like, the book itself, maybe, in the Christian section. But, like, the field manual? No. No. Target. Secondhand Walmart. Amazon. eBay. Thrift books. No. It doesn't seem like it's easy to get. Which, thank God. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> good to know so that that's the verse in the introduction off the top of my head I want to say there are no verses in the first chapter I don't think there are well no there's like in really small writing there's just Proverbs twenty seven nineteen, which he actually did use that one correctly saying the heart reflects the person essentially mm-hmm. which you know, not going to disagree with me. The man. The man reflects the man. The man. But aside from that, I don't think there are any other really out of context verses in this one. It, it's more a lot of storytelling and do as I do for no reason. A lot of storytelling and a lot of referencing other stories, mm-hmm. like movies. A lot of movies. Yeah, and degrading his own children for being cautious. I thought he was talking about like a like a fictional family at first, and then like I reread it and realized, oh, he is talking about his own son and name dropping his own son while he's at it. That's awesome, Dad. <laughs> Great dad. <laughs> Sorry, I'm flipping through it and seeing things that I highlighted. And some of this stuff is so funny. Like, there are things that I highlighted just because they make me laugh. So, you know, when he got into how, you know, the real men don't work in offices and they don't, you know, work through smartphones and laptops and everything. And he starts, starts talking about how different institutions make men bad in different ways. So, like, the church wants a tamed man. They're called priests. Which I just wrote right there. Okay, so we're for abolishing church leadership. Awesome. <laughs> Apparently he's for it. The university wants a domesticated man. The corporation wants a sanitized, hairless, shallow man. Hairless. hairless. I'm not even I'm not even looking at that part and I just remember <laughs> hairless. why did that make me laugh for as long as it did? I don't know. I guess he just expects true men to have like have full lumberjack. I don't know. But this is where it starts getting into like just these over over general just over generalizing everything yeah. because not all men even have the capability to not be yeah. hairless. And you know, it some of this feels a little personal. Like it feels like somebody said something to him that really upset him. Like maybe his wife asked him to trim his beard a bit, like a little scraggly. And he's like, "Oh, you want me hairless?" That's what this seems. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. A lot of these right. seem very oh, you personal. You don't want a real man? <laughs> and then, you know, right after the hairless thing, he says, thus the heart of a man is driven into high country, into remote places like a wounded animal. And that is the first time, and not the last time, though, that he compares men to animals. 
And I just want to point out, it was him that did it, and not these two women tearing it apart. It was, these are his words, just everybody listening. Don't get mad, John. You're the one who said it. We're just repeating it and laughing at it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He said it. I will say the only, the only other kind of scriptural reference and going right along with that, that I found interesting was when he's talking about, again, a bunch of movies and blah, blah, blah. For reasons I hope to make clear later, he won't. Most men hate the unknown and like Cain, want to settle down and build their own city, get on top of their life. And I'm like, Cain, the one who killed his brother? That was the best example you could come up with? The first murderer in the Bible? And this is the guy you relate to? I mean, as, as we get farther into it, he, like I said before, he's just obsessed with violence and excusing violence in men. So yeah, of course he would put Cain first murderer on a pedestal. Yeah. He's like, I get it, man. Abel was probably hairless. And I guess that would have been his only sin, because wasn't... Abel's thing was animals, right? I think so. Wait. Cain brought, like, the fruits and vegetables, or... That sounds right. Yeah. But... Abel must have been hairless. Yeah. That's all I can. That's all I can chalk it up to. It would have. I feel like a better example for what he's trying to say would have been Enoch, the the son of Abraham, who was like known for being very rugged and like his skin was red from all the dirt. I feel like that would have been a better example. So just, it says a lot that he chose Cain instead. He chose Cain. <laughs> and like no mention, but then no, he just wanted to. He just wanted to settle in a city, which. Also, I mean, cities are like where offices are. I don't get, I just don't get, I don't. I wonder if he knows Why would he not want to run off into the mountains or run off, you know. A real man doesn't want to settle a city, I thought, but I guess he does. Maybe he played Red Dead Redemption 2, like, once, and in that game, you live in the wild. Maybe that's what happened. (laughs) That's the general premise, and... The Bible, we talked a little bit about it before we started recording, but how's, how's the writing in general? It's, it's a lot of it, I feel like a lot of it is very vague. He never necessarily gets to the point, which is actually the trend in a lot of these self-help books. They never actually get to the point. They just like kind of string you along and get you to buy more books. So in this case, you know, he's stringing you along in an effort to get you to buy his field manual, and then he's stringing mm-hmm. women along in an effort to get them to buy Captivating. The writing isn't great. Grammarly definitely did not appreciate it at all. And I don't know, I feel like a lot of stuff in here is made up. Like the Colombian prisoner thing, I feel like that was made up. I don't... That doesn't that feel real. Thing. The prisoners in Colombia. I can believe, absolutely, that he shipped a bunch of these books to prisons in Colombia. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. How do you heal the lives of prisoners? I don't... I don't even know. Like, that that means nothing. Yeah. That means nothing. I mean, like, it's, 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 like, one thing 
for how churches in the U.S. do like prison ministries because then you can actually see what's going on. But just shipping your book to a prison in a different country. I would think it would be a better story, right, to even say if we're shipping, if I'm shipping books to prisoners in Colombia, then somebody has to translate mm -hmm. it. So I would like how amazing of a testimony the translators. That's what it is. as a translator. That's you it. know, working on these books, their lives got changed. Because I just, I don't know, I and I especially don't know how this hyper, hyper-violent masculinity would be helpful to prisoners anywhere. But I can't imagine yeah, I don't. this would be allowed with, like, how much it totes violence as a good thing. Because, yeah. you know, at least in the, in the U.S., and I know our prison system isn't incredible, everything that goes in and out of prisons is censored. I, I wonder if it would be the same in Colombia. I don't know. Personally, if I were to be running a prison, that this isn't a message I would want getting in, especially because he uses religion to justify it, and that's what's e even more like unsettling, I guess, is that he uses religion to justify and encourage and almost require violence and aggression, especially towards marginalized groups, which is, that's very uncomfortable. Maybe that's why he, re I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's... So, you know, the writing of this is really, a lot of it is just riddled with toxic masculinity and it's just written in such a weird way like the core of a man's heart is un undomesticated and that's good my gender seems to need little encouragement i don't know what he was trying to say there this one had me cackling the masculine heart needs a place where nothing is digital modular non-fat ziploc franchised online or microwavable so listen, I have a lot of questions. I'm going to assume that because he's a manly man, he hunts. I just want to know if you can't, like, freeze or ziploc anything. When he kills a deer for food, do they, like, only eat what they can for the one night and just kind of, like, leave everything else? Because ziplocking it would be bad, right? Ziplocking and freezing it. Mm -mm. Hey. You can't do that. And then he gets into where there are no deadlines, smartphones, or committee meetings, where there's room for the soul. And that's where he really launches into how the corporate world and working in an office and all of this is actually really bad because it keeps men under control and answers to our deepest questions are not found on television or on smartphones. They're out there in the desert under foreign stars. Which I just, I don't, I don't, because he wrote all of this in a book mm -hmm. that most men got from their wives right and that mostly mostly women read this book and these women got got this from a building mm -hmm. there were probably they offices it, in that they, building right but they were recommended most likely in a church over a whole lot of technology mm -hmm. Right, like microphones were used. Just a lot of things to get people to come into this building and then to go out and buy this book. Probably online. Probably, you know, he had to write this. He didn't, he did not 
go out into the wilderness, scratch this out in the dirt, and then somebody like came along and took pictures and found it and pieced it together. There were a lot of offices and deadlines and computers. There was a lot of technology and domesticated things involved in creating and disseminating this book. Yeah, and you know, I'm not I'm not going to say that we we should be hooked on technology cuz you know, decluttering your life and kind of disconnecting yourself is definitely a good thing, but at this point where we live in time and in culture, you can't really get away from it at all. Right. That that's that's just not doable. If you want to completely get away from technology, you essentially do just kind of have to live in the woods. But even preparing to do that also requires. Do you follow those people on TikTok who do like the, like the forty the forty or hundred day hikes from like, like Washington State down to the border of California? So they're really interesting to watch, especially like in all the preparation that goes into it. But it's actually a lot of technology that's involved in just planning these things and making sure you survive. Because it's not as easy as he makes it out to be, just kind of living out in the middle of nowhere. Especially in Texas when it's been over 100 degrees for 60-plus days. (laughs) You really start to appreciate air conditioning and indoors. All of things that, like, time, time and technology have brought us. Like, I don't know, Christians are so weird in that they want to hold on to, like, this this old book and, like, this old way of life. And in some ways, want to pretend like that's what they want to get back to. I mean, in a way, I think it is what they want to get back to, though. Because there's so much about Christianity revolves around, like, the end times and the rapture and the earth being restored to what it once was. And I see a lot of, a lot of like, the really hardcore Christians painting things, like, technology-type things as demonic. Like, when COVID first happened and a lot of stores started, like, not accepting cash to protect the employees from contamination. I I saw so many people saying that bank accounts were now the mark of the beast. (laughs) I don't know. But then, you know, there was a new mark of the beast a few days later. I think it was a vaccine or something. I'm not sure. (laughs) But it, it, it comes out of this weird obsession with the earth being destroyed, basically, because that's what they believe is going to happen. They believe that the earth is going to be destroyed, but you know, and it's going to be restored to something else. I don't know. There's so many rapture theories. It's, it's kind of hard to keep up with. It just really yeah. depends on it's church to church, honestly. But in all of this and in all of that, you would think hardcore Christians would be like the highest number of vegetarians. Yeah. He was having at a church retreat and this guy set up pretty much tried for the last 20 years to be a good man as the church defines it intrigued i asked him i asked him to say what he thought that was and he paused for a long time and said dutiful and separated from his heart so first how is dutiful a bad thing i i can't imagine how that would be a bad thing you know as a woman of nearly 25 years that is kind of what i look for in a man and yeah. separated from his heart. But he doesn't ever get into, like, what that means. Which, you know, he doesn't ever get into what being wild at heart means either. It, 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 it's really weird and vague, like I said earlier. And then, you know, he gets into... Some women want a passive man if they want a man at all. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> just... 
there are a lot of things that he might be mad about there. It's kind of hard to narrow it down, but, you know, one of them might be that, you know, some, you know, woman would prefer other women and not him. He seems pretty upset about that. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So then there's the whole w- wounded animal thing, and then he starts talking to woman, which, you know, again, I it's... I don't understand why he's spending so much time in a book for men talking to women. Maybe he's teaching his male readers how to talk to women. I'm not sure. I think he... Because there's a part in there where he's talking about all these different movies, and he says... Oh, something about, like, Braveheart. It wasn't... Braveheart, Saving Private Ryan, Top Gun, Die Hard, Gladiator, Star Star Wars, and all the Marvel movies. Right. And that's where he says, it wasn't women who made Braveheart one of the top ten films or whatever he says. And I'm like, mm. Mel Gibson, he was hot at that time. Mm-hmm. And I know, yeah, Braveheart was recommended to me by women. I watched it, watched it with my friends. But all of this, I was like, this is all, this is all capitalism Mm -hmm. and the same way that yes i think women did make braveheart one of the top grossing films of the time women are also making this book a bestseller like you're you're writing this book to men but you're not really yeah because you do keep talking to women yeah because you know this book is for women and christianity women are the ones buying these books no of course you know earlier when i compared him to andrew tate and like the other like the tiktok dating coaches who you would think go for men but they spend way too much of their time just you know speaking to women and telling women how they should be and what they should be looking for in a man and it it's very it's very uncomfortable but you know funny too a little funny there's this one there's this one guy, I can't remember what his name is, he just came up on my For You page a while ago, and he was saying that women should not buy gifts for their partners because that emasculates them, puts them in a gift-giving role. The mental gymnastics were insane. The, it seems like he, he follows what those guys say to a T, or those guys follow what he says. Maybe it's both ways, who knows. <laughs> and it's funny, at some point he says, Wild at Heart is not about becoming a, lund- a lumberjack, and drinking motor oil but at this point up until this point that is all the chapter has been about he was really specific about drinking the motor oil there's a story behind that what's what's that story so he has they have the intro in the book Mm -hmm. and then i was like i don't again this tells me nothing about why you john eldridge think you have the knowledge to write something like this so then i went and looked him up just online so in on his bio like on his site it says more stuff and then i felt betrayed because this guy is a theater geek this you he is yeah he's a nerd he is a theater nerd and i'm like what what would possess, what is going what's going on with you john eldridge that you felt the need to write this book because the fact that you are a theater guy who just happens to also enjoy the outdoors and now you're like leaning so heavily into this outdoors persona but you're a theater geek i would have expected him to be like a water boy for the football team at best like something outside no no Mm-mm. no my man's is domesticated all the way 
and he apparently feels some type of way about that. Yeah, he's because overcompensating. He wrote heavily. Very much. Very much so. And you know, he it's he builds himself up by tearing other people down. And that's kind of very evident when he tears down his own son. His son. I don't I don't I feel weird saying the son's name for you know what John says. You know, son was our firstborn, and like so many firstborns, he was cautious. He always let a few pitches go by before he took a swing, and when he did, it was never a full swing. It's like, there's nothing bad about being cautious, especially mm-hmm. like when you have a baseball flying towards your head and you want to make sure it doesn't hit you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, risk-taking is good to, up to a point. But self-preservation should always come first. Maybe maybe that's just an idea that my woman brain conjured up because I can't possibly comprehend what it means to be wild. Who knows? But even in that, if you if we're playing baseball and you get get three strikes. Mm-hmm. So if he's letting a few pitches go by mm-hmm. and he's not out, these are bad pitches. Yeah. Like is he cautious, or does he know a good pitch when he sees one? Mm-hmm. Because he's not saying, oh, my son got struck out all the time. Yeah. No, it's... He's saying he let a few go by. He was, he was waiting for the right one. That's really what it looks right. like. Yeah. And it really just seems like he, he almost requires that people knowingly put themselves into dangerous situations, and I can't understand why like even just you know you're in a situation and then you recognize that it is dangerous you know you would think you, you should remove yourself from that situation no he, he doesn't it, it's it's funny because like the thing I think about when I think about this is I was in California and I'd forgotten how big the waves were there so I got trapped under a wave and I got back up and I didn't have glasses or contacts so I couldn't see anything I got back up and got taken down by another one right away and you know was barreling and probably almost drowned a little bit, I don't know. And then when I got back up, I was caught in a riptide. And just had to keep on going with that, you know, the instinct, the, that surfing instinct of, okay, just go with it and until it lets you out. And I got let out, like, maybe half a mile down the beach. I did not get back in that water, nor did I let my brothers get back in that water, because I recognized that it was dangerous. And I'm wondering if John would just encourage people to go right back in. <laughs> Because yeah. it seems like he would. It really seems like he just has... Like I said, it's this obsession with danger in an effort to prove something that really doesn't need to be proven. You know? Yeah, because then he, in this book for men, he takes a moment to, again, speak to women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he he goes on... Oh, wait, no, that's no longer about his sons. Never mind. That's about a movie. <laughs> talking about the difference between these brothers in a movie. It's hard to tell sometimes. So Legends of the Fall and mm-hmm. the three the three brothers, which this is a movie, dude. Yeah, and this was a script written to highlight the qualities of this one particular son. Mm-hmm. Like this is not a documentary. This is not a real life situation. Yeah, if women feel drawn to the wild middle son. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. 
just and as... that's also the point of the movie. Yeah. Like, it was written that this be the most attractive character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he goes through describing the different brothers in this movie, and the oldest, Alfred, is, is described as practical, pragmatic, and cautious. You know, lives in the city, secures a good job to provide for his family, which I'm not saying one thing is better than the other. Eat whatever works for you, go for it. And then he moves on to Tristan, who um, embodies the West. He catches and rides the wild stallion, fights the grizzly with a knife, and wins the beautiful woman. I have yet to meet a man who wants to be Alfred. I have yet to meet a woman who wants to marry one. So he has not met many people. No, no. Because, you know, my man who's off working in an office right now, he's practical, he's pragmatic, and he's cautious. He is confident in himself and working to protect the ones he loves, and that's what matters at the end of the day. Practicality and caution are the things that bring him home every night, not this weird need to fight grizzly bears with nothing more than a knife. Because <laughs> if he wanted to do that, we would like, first it would be a, need to be a serious conversation to be had about why he feels the need to do that, and also where he thinks he's going to find a grizzly bear anywhere around here. <laughs> but that was... That's that's the two sons, and then I don't know. I guess spoiler alert for anyone who's not seen Legends of the Fall out of this movie. This movie was old when he wrote this book, so I don't even know how old it is now. But there was there was a third son. He said Samuel, the youngest, still a boy in many ways, a tender child, literate, sensitive, timid. He is killed early in the film, and we know he was not ready for battle. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. With, like, not wanting to go into battle. It's, you know, again, this just ties back to this obsession that he has with with violence and literally putting your life on the line for fun. And I don't... Fun. Woman, I just don't understand it. Fun as prescribed by him. Mm -hmm. Because who's to say... Like, Alfred... Alfred is happy, mm -hmm. living Alfred's life, doing Alfred things. Would Tristan be tortured in Alfred's job? Probably. Yeah, probably. Would Alfred be t tortured in Tristan's? Yeah, because they are different people who like different things, and that's okay. Yeah. Like, Tristan is not more of a man because he wrestles grizzlies. Yeah, like every... He's he's seen, he's trying to paint all men with like one broad brush and generalize them into one very specific category and kind of ignoring individuality and how different people have different talents and different wants um, and that's kind of how we function as a society is because people want to do different things and be in different roles and all of those roles being filled are how we move forward. Right. But for him. No. Yeah. It's, no, absolutely not. Everybody should just go live in the woods. <sighs> right, but then who who would read this book? I don't know, because... Well, no, the women, Well, you still. wouldn't be able to get this book in the woods, I imagine. If you were truly living rugged, absolutely not. <laughs> but he loves... He loves violence. This whole... Read this paragraph, and then, like, because the last sentence just disturbed me so much. Who said, little girls do not invent games where large numbers of people die, where bloodshed is a prere 
prerequisite for having fun. Hockey, for example, was not a feminine creation, nor was boxing. A boy wants to attack something, and so does a man, even if it's only a little white ball on a tee. So golf is manly. Apparently. Somehow. He wants to whack it into kingdom come. Not always, but whatever. On the other hand, while my boys were growing up, they did not sit down to tea parties. They did not call their friends on the phone to talk about relationships. They grew bored of games that had no element of danger or competition or bloodshed. Cooperative games based on relational interdependence were complete nonsense. No one is killed, they asked, incredulous. No one wins? What's the point? Look at the global popularity of the video games boys and men play. They are overwhelmingly games of battle. The universal nature of this ought to have us convinced by now. The boy is a warrior. The boy is his name. Okay. And those are not boyish antics he is doing. When boys play at war, they are rehearsing their part in a much bigger drama. One day, you just might need that boy to defend you. Um, I wrote right after that, it sounds like I'll need defending from that boy. Exactly. It seems like the exactly type of my the type of guy who doesn't take no for an answer. Yeah. yeah. And this is what I, this is what I meant when I said this is like full of dog whistles. He's almost priming men to have this level of aggression and also you know kind of do it towards women. But it's okay if you're doing it towards women because you're actually saving them. It's... Yeah. Because that was my that was my question. Need that boy to defend you against who? Yeah, against who? Because it would either be that boy or another boy like him. Mm -hmm. I need defending from violent men. This book is written for violent men. Encouraging them to be violent. Yeah. Because healthy aggression is part of the masculine design, and we are hardwired for it. Those are his words. So I guess we're just supposed to excuse aggression and violence from men, especially towards women. It's fine. Right. It's fine. It kind of calls into question, like, what would he define as too much or bad or inexcusable? Right. Because so many of these traits that we have just kind of accepted as bad and not desirable are now being painted as no this is ideal yeah because he said yeah healthy healthy aggression mm -hmm. what is that john like where's because... the line where yeah. is that line between healthy and we need to stop this and because all of this is so so just physical right and it's all in physicality because you know, going back, going back to his example. So these two brothers, so Tristan and Alfred. Who's to say Alfred isn't like attacking a math problem, attacking this bookkeeping issue, attacking this? You know, if you're a computer program, like you're not attacking things every day. It doesn't have but to just be physical, right? Just because it's not drawing blood from someone else, yeah, it's not valid. Yeah. Like. It doesn't count. Yeah. I mean, looking at my brothers, I, I would I would trust my brothers to protect me with their lives, but they're not what John is saying that men should be. One of them is still a, a college student, and the other one is an engineer who works in an office. Still, I would trust 
my life with them a lot more than I would trust my life with John's description of a man. Absolutely. Because yep. it, it also just screams fragile. Definitely yeah. the kind to lie about their height. I don't know. <laughs> but this whole book, because there's part in there where he says, like, yeah, like that part, you know, not drinking motor oil or whatever. Like, this isn't this isn't another prescriptive, you know, thing for, for how to be a man when it exactly is. Because if you're going to take all of these things, every man wants a battle to fight. But it has to be a physical Oh, yeah, it has to be to physical, be... not, you know, building drones or whatever my brother does. I don't know what he does. Right. Right. But it's like we're all, we're all problem solving. We're all figuring out things every day in a way that, like, makes us tick and makes us come alive. Yeah, and there are more roles in society than what John seems to describe there are. Of course, there are those roles of people who need to be out and putting their lives on the line and engaging in, in violence. You, you know, that's th there are set roles for that and set people to fill those roles. But then there's also everybody else, like the people who are working in offices to support the people who are, you know, out putting their lives on the line, or people working in hospitals to save those people who just put their lives out on the line. Like, if everybody... This isn't the purge. That's really what it comes down to. This isn't the purge. We can't... Society cannot function as a purge. We need to all fill our different roles. And I'm not saying we need to go do something we don't like. We need to find what best suits us and what we do the best. And it is okay... If that just means sitting in a dark room with 10 computer monitors in front of you. Like, that's yeah. the job I'm about to move into, actually. So, <laughs> it's my dream job. <laughs> not so much not so much the stress of, that comes with 911 calls, but it's like, I get to sit in a dark, cold room all day? Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, society has ruined you. Oh, I know. Just the technological age. Mm-mm. Ugh. Absolutely you terrible. See, you don't. You you need to finish this book, and then you'll know what you really want, and then. Oh no, John! You can... He 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 told me in the first chapter. I just want to be wanted. Apparently, I don't want to be hardworking. I want to. Skip and not it. just <laughs> wanted. Like you want to be wanted by a manly, a manly man, masculine man. Yeah, she wants to be wanted. She wants to be caught up into something greater than herself. But even with that, you know, broken clock is right twice a day. Everybody wants to be caught up in something greater than themselves. But that, again, just looks different for everybody. It's different. Yeah. The world kills a woman's heart when it tells her to be tough, efficient, and independent. Oh my no, God. it doesn't, right? Those are the three things I'm pretty sure every woman wants to be is tough, efficient, and independent. Yeah. What what is killed in that is insecure men. Mm -hmm. That's that's who gets killed in that exchange. Yeah, and it it's so weird to have cuz I've had conversations with men like this before. It's really weird when they try to pin their expectations of women onto somebody who that doesn't fit. Like I've I talk about this really happy and proud of the education I've completed to get to where I am now, and they can only ask, well, what, what's going to happen when you have kids? Like, everything else was just ignored because, you know, women, in their eyes, 
should be at home raising kids. And it's, it's just really weird, especially seeing how much they benefit from women being out in society regularly. <laughs> it's, this is very reductive. What he's, how he's talking towards women is extremely reductive and dehumanizing. Definitely puts us below men, which is I. <laughs> I I don't know what else to say aside from like it, it's sorry, it's really frustrating. <laughs> That's exactly the right word, reductive. This whole, this whole book, but this whole chapter, extremely reductive of men and women. Like it's, it's such a small, small box that he's trying to fit everyone into. Mm -hmm. And this box may have been what worked for him and his family, but it's not going to work for everybody. But he is so set in his own ways, he can't take inventory of what he might be doing wrong, so instead he's just trying to force it on everybody else. And that's that's kind of what I've noticed with people who try to shove everybody into boxes like this. It's They do it because they can't take an inventory of themselves and recognize what they're doing wrong. So they try to force everybody else to just conform to their wrong ways to justify it. And that's what he's doing. He's just justifying his own toxic behavior that he knows exists but doesn't want to change. So he just wrote a whole book on, you know, fighting grizzly bears with your bare hands. Which he has never actually done. Oh, no. Either. No, so what are, we, what are we doing here? John. Um, just idolizing the people that do, supposedly, in movies. In movies. People don't actually is... go around fighting grizzly bears with their bare hands. I would hope not, because you know no. that's dangerous, and people recognize that that is dangerous. And also, like, it's 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 disrespectful to grizzly bears. Oh, yeah. But, like, like so much, so much of this, whether it's a grizzly bear, whether he's talking about all these movies where he's not saying it, but, like, the these were people being, being conquered, right? So it's a lot of pioneer talk, a lot of frontiering talk, a lot of this old Wild West stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you you want to act out all this aggression, but you're acting it out on grizzly bears, you're acting it out on groups of people who are just in your way. Just trying to exist. So instead of taking the, this person out, these personality traits and this desire and turning it into something productive, you're just going to go out of, out of your way to harm other people and harm other living things to justify I don't even know what's trying to be justified at this point it's just it's it's, it's not a viewpoint I, I understand I've tried to understand it and I can't in this in this economy if you you want to be aggressive you want to be a conqueror you want a battle to fight requires someone to fight mm -hmm. like it requires violence it requires bloodshed but like you're setting up this system where some people are apparently just here to be acted acted upon because mm -hmm. he's not this isn't a boxing book this isn't how this isn't a hockey book like those are the sports he mentions right this isn't a rule book on how to engage in these games we have created to to work this stuff out. Mm -hmm. So this isn't, okay, here's where we meet. We go to the boxing ring. Here are the rules. Here's what we do. Here's how we can both come into this space and have an equal chance. 
Like this is just you, you're a man, you have aggression and you've got to go figure out a way to work that out. Luckily for you, there are women who want to be fought for, who want to be pursued, who want to be conquered. So you've got to have your aggression up here to be attractive to them. And then to also, you know, again, enact your will on them. And then white man, lucky for you, there is a world full of people who do not look like you, who do not think like you, and who you do not have to consider as full humans because you got to conquer something. And there they are. Yeah. Yeah. Being in this relationship that I've been in for five years, I can definitely say my number one desire in this relationship and for what my boyfriend does is it's, I just don't, being fought for is not the only thing I want. I mean, given if somebody were to break into the house in the middle of the night, I would definitely prefer that it would be him that grabs the weapon and not me. (laughs) But at the end of the day, like, I just, I just want somebody who to like, you know, we live our lives cooperatively. Like we work for Mm -hmm. each other. It's not only one person doing all of the work. Like in, in those same conversations with people not really understanding why I, I, a woman would want a career when I'm capable of bearing children. They also don't, they they fail to understand why like I don't do all the cleaning and I don't do all the cooking and he doesn't pay all the bills and the way he described it to them is we both live in the house we both use water we both use electricity therefore we both pay bills we both eat food therefore we both cook we both make the house a mess therefore we both clean we're not doing we're not completely taking on one task for the other, given there are things that he does that I don't do, like he mows the lawn. I would rather not do that, and that is completely okay. That just means I, p- I completely pick up another chore that day. And, and, you know, that's... Living cooperatively, I think that's a much healthier relationship model than a man doing everything and a woman doing nothing. But, like, if that works for people, fine, but it's not... Right. That's not the blueprint that we should all be striving for, I don't think everybody's every different things work for different people and that's okay that's what makes us human right right and like that's that's the point so many of us are trying to get to and that books like this are just trying to strip away Mm -hmm. and saying no no you have to be this you have to be in this box right and (laughs) it's not a box this isn't this isn't another book trying to tell you how to be a man Mm -hmm. but here's how to be a man (laughs) here's what to look for in a man apparently i'm all wrong five years is six years has been for nothing (laughs) damn i I really i really thought i got into a good place in life but you know john is just as i told you in my email john has just made me re-question everything in my life and you know i have to listen to him because he's a man i guess you have to because you know would you rather <laughs> would you rather feel safe in your home or have a man who's a little bit dangerous <laughs> I would like to feel safe honestly I mean given you know doing slightly dangerous things that is fun sometimes like you know going on those expert hiking trails that we have absolutely no business being on but it's still really fun at the end of the day but I don't want to go out of my way searching for danger. I don't think 
he does either because that's not really conducive to self-preservation it's not and like john does not john doesn't want to be in danger but i think he would like for you to come home and feel endangered like <laughs> is this man gonna smack me today is he didn't have a, a bear to fight so he's got to work this out somehow that's the whole message it is okay to feel endangered by your man just just accept it yeah that's how you know he's a real man yeah just the constant dog whistling of this behavior is okay and you shouldn't question it either it's it's yeah, disturbing you'd actually be in the wrong yeah to it's disturbing that he question. had enough power to put this into a book so yeah and that it was platformed and still is still is popular so this book is called wild at heart at any point does john define wild i don't really think he does so he tries to with his three points of a battle to fight an adventure to be had and a beauty to live but even those points are so vague and he never necessarily elaborates in a manner that is understandable it's it's almost kind of like screaming into the void and not really getting to the point and you know just stringing people along to buy the next book that will may or may not have the answer right he's only clear towards women he's only clear in his opinion of what women should want to be and that is captivating captivating that's it which he also does not define no he leaves that one very open to interpretation and i feel like you know women are going to read that and interpret it and interpret it in a wrong way and then that's just going to upset him even more yeah but in all of this and i think it's very purposeful right being vague and so then people are filling in filling in the blanks and then yeah kind of giving you credit for oh yeah that did that resonated with me mm -hmm. or that that spoke to me because you haven't said anything and i'm bringing my own my own things here yeah it's so just... whatever 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 my definition of captivating is whether i'm feeling like oh i am i am that or uh i'm not that yeah it just reminds me a lot of you know basically every sermon during youth group and especially the ones like during the conferences that were supposed to like really bring in a lot of people at the end of the day they were just so big and you know you're already primed for emotional insecurity and vulnerableness during those i feel like he kind of primes the reader to feel vulnerable while he describes all of these very common traits as you know these are actually bad so then you know the reader is then searching for okay well what is good but he never actually says it. Right. It's it's almost too much is left open to interpretation. And I feel as though a lot of those interpretations are ones that are going to harm other people at the end of the day. Like, just all of this violence is okay. Men are supposed to be violent and aggressive. But, but towards who? He doesn't defi define who men are supposed to be violent and aggressive towards. And most often... Men have the the people men have the greatest access to are their families, right? And it it just gives justification to all the wrong things. Yep. So why did he do this? Who is who is this book for? I think he kind of wrote it for himself. If anything, you know, he, he's not he knows something is wrong, but he is not taking inventory of what is wrong and trying to fix it. So he's more just 
justifying it through a book instead. That's, you know, the only reasoning I can think of. It, it, it's for himself, I feel like. And based on the information he gave in about the authors, what qualifies him to write this book? He's a man. I don't know. He has a platform. You know, describes himself as a best-selling author. He has a, he has a, he's a man with a platform, and I, I really think that's it. He he says he's a counselor too. I'm I'm curious if it's like a like he has like a license, or if he just calls himself a counselor. What's the criteria for that? Reading further on his website, it seems like he did, again, theater geek, Mm -hmm. theater nerd. I'm pretty sure his degree is in theater, and I think he did, like, take a counseling. I think he did get accredited. It sounds like he did get licensed, but then it also sounds like he practiced counseling for, like, a very short time. Okay, so, like, took took some classes and, yeah, didn't go anywhere with it. Yeah, yeah, like, it's not not something he did for for long and it's not his primary job right so it's like i think he learned just enough to be dangerous and to be able to say oh i was i was a counselor Mm -hmm. but yeah not definitely not someone i would choose to be speaking into anything in a meaningful way i feel like counselor is a very loaded title to give to yourself and it's a title that gives somebody a lot of power too because you know we just recognize that as a position of authority right away right so you know that was sneaky putting that in there definitely so looking at this book from the perspective that everything is permissible but not everything is beneficial scale from one to ten with ten it's great wonderful beneficial for everyone get this book down to one book is not beneficial is in fact harmful for everyone where would you put this i would put this at like a two or a three there are some very small redeeming factors you know he centers a lot about how men need to find find themselves and like find their true selves and well that is true it's not always going to line up with his idea of it at all and then you know in in those weird sections where he's talking to women the one good thing that he says is that women need to know that they're loved and they need to know that they're wanted. And that's, that's good. That is a good thing to put out into the world to try to teach, teach people about how to treat other people. But the rest of that, is, this isn't beneficial towards anybody. It's, it's harmful. It gives a religious justification to a lot of very bad things. And, you know, when people feel empowered by religion to do something, that never ends well. So I wouldn't, I... It's two, three at best. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend this book to anybody. There's, if, if I wanted men in my life or my boyfriend to read a book on how to be a better man, there are definitely better things I could find to have them read, not this. Because I would fear for myself if the men in my life read this and took it seriously. <laughs> All right. And instead of wild at heart, what is something wild, whatever that means to you, that you would recommend? right now just going outside because I'm gonna go outside after this and I'm really excited too because it's it's finally below 90 degrees <laughs> and I just want to do that or you know yeah. just like do small impulsive things it's okay to be impulsive sometimes like cut and dye your hair that was that was great I needed I didn't know how much I needed to do that until I did it or just you know go one state over and stop at the first holiday and you see and stay there for a night 
why not? Yeah. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, find something and fun that's... to do in that area. We, we, my boyfriend and I were planning on doing that. We were just like, okay, drive north on this highway, the first major city, like the first civilization in Oklahoma we see, we can go stay there. So now we have it all planned, we're just gonna go stay in Duran, Oklahoma for a night and go see the world's largest peanut. Completely impulsive, but it's fun. <laughs> With no, no bloodshed, no grizzly bears, no knives. No, we're, we're gonna watch Pawn Stars in the hotel room. And ancient aliens. <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> no, just that's that's really it. I think the two better things I can take away from this are just you know, listen to those around you and do something that you wouldn't normally do. So, anything, any closing thoughts, anything you want to say that we didn't get to say? <sighs> I really don't think so. I think I touched on everything. This wasn't as like unhinged as. <laughs> Beta Satan was. I have to admit, the writing on this was better, and he didn't just like make he didn't make things up in this one. So it was a little harder to rip apart. But you know, there was it's it's not a great book. It's really not a great book. What if what if those deep desires in our hearts are telling us the truth, revealing to us the life we were meant to live? God gave us eyes so that we might see. He gave us ears that we might hear. He gave us wills that we might choose. And he gave us hearts that we might live. The way we handle the heart is everything. A man must know he is powerful. He must know he has what it takes. A woman must know she is beautiful. She must know she is worth fighting for. But you don't understand, said one woman to me. I'm living with a hollow man. No, it's in there. His heart is there. It may have evaded you, like a wounded animal, always out of reach, one step beyond your catching. But it's there. I don't know when I died, said another man. But I feel like I'm just using up oxygen. I understand. Your heart may feel dead and gone, but it's there. Something wild and strong and valiant, just waiting to be released. And that's that. Thank you for dropping in on the Bad Book Club. I certainly hope you had a better time listening than we did reading. Bad Words is an irreverent media podcast, the Legata Scratch production, and a God is not given side hustle. Produced by Janice Legata and made possible by the generous support of Jodly and Jodwilling patrons like Joanna. Thank you, Joanna. If you're enjoying this season, please let the people know by leaving a rating or a review on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you're looking for a better book experience, ask Amazon about The Grift of God and or The Divide by me, Janice Legata. And until we meet again, take care of you and be well. This has been an episode of Bad Words, but to finish up, here are some good ones. Just listen. Accept that, you know, and this is something that it's not just men, I think this is something good for everybody to do. Just accept that you don't know everything. You don't have all the answers and there are other people who do have some of those answers and you know, you may not always view them as somebody who's in a position of authority, but regardless, you should listen because you, you learn a lot from just kind of shutting up. <laughs>